What's up, Jabronis? Welcome back to Two on Five Podcast, your one-stop shop for all your top five lists. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. I'm Brian. I'm back again. What's up, guys? Yeah. Yeah. And once again, we're back with a very special installment of our Three on Five, covering the top video game consoles and the games on those consoles over the generations. This episode, we're going to cover GameCube, Xbox, and the PlayStation 2. So, guys, what which one of these systems was your go-to system? Well, for me, like, weirdly enough, it was not the PlayStation 2. Um, I, got the, I got the Dreamcast when I was in high school, and I got that launch day, $9,999. And that was my shit for, you know, the year and a half it was a console. And then, uh, and then I got an Xbox later on when I was in college. Um, I played, you know, I played all of them. I, I had the GameCube and then, you know, PS2, I, I got, I got last, which is wild considering how many games and how popular it was. But yeah, I owned all of them except the Xbox played a lot of Xbox. Um, but, uh, PS2 was my jam. I, I ended up getting a hard drive for it. And then Blockbuster used to run this deal where you could like, go in there rent a game like for you could have like one game at a time for a month and it was a flat rate and i found a way to just basically record those onto the hard drive so i just got a lot of mileage out of that i was at blockbuster like three times a day and they're like oh yeah this game sucks too i guess i'll try this one and <laughs> they caught on at and one point no no that they caught on at one point but they just kind of like gave you that nod as you walk out like yeah he's pirating that game but i, I think i think it was ps2 just because i got the mileage out of it but man they were all great yeah, I had uh, GameCube and PS2 in my house. Um, Xbox, I always played at a friend's house, but the PS2 was my main jam. You know, I mean, that I bought that when I was a junior in high school, and it took me all the way through college and, you know, even a little bit after college. And so, you know, the bulk of my time was definitely on the PlayStation 2. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for me, it was like, like I, 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 I feel like with these consoles, I always bought the like losing generation console. <laughs> like I was like, I'm a Genesis man. And Saturn. Then, yeah, you know. And then no, I actually didn't buy a Saturn, surprisingly. Mm. But and then you know, I got the 64, which had a lot of games and stuff, but it wasn't the PlayStation. And then the first one I got was the Dreamcast. And then I'm in college, and I was like, I got a GameCube and an Xbox. You know, like. I always had the one and they all had great games and stuff, but they just weren't the most ubiquitous system, which whatever. And I also got an Xbox cause I was in college. I had the dorm internet and halo was a thing. Like, Oh yeah. You know, like, and that was before like they even had the mics and stuff hooked up and stuff. So we were literally using the dorm phones to call each other and talk shit while we're playing on, <laughs> on the network. Oh, yeah. It was dumb. Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, so that would have been Oh three. Uh, when NCAA football 2004 came out, that was the, like, we had, we had DSL. So I was able to actually hook it up and play online for the first time. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a land party. It was play online, get this against a live competition. And, oh man, that was, that, that was, it was life changing for, for a nerd. Mm -hmm. Get that live fire. <laughs> well, uh, we're just going to move into the list. Talk about the best games on these systems. Um, and I'll start it off. My number five is not shockingly a dreamcast game um it is crazy taxi i think you said the title wrong 
Crazy Taxi. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, It's Crazy Taxi. Um, It came out on uh, Dreamcast in 2000. It came out a little bit after launch. Basically, um, this was dope. It was as close to a like arcade port as you were going to get. And I mean, it was beautiful. And like, um, the concept of it is you're just driving this taxi around like San Francisco, picking people up and taking them to like the pizza hut or tower (laughs) records or whatever. Like the licensing was super weird and I loved it. And the soundtrack, that offspring song is like, burned into my brain forever like, yeah, yeah 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 oh, yeah yeah just burned into my brain and like um basically the funniest thing i found out about this game was that sega actually patented the gameplay loop of picking people up and delivering them to places so late years later when the simpsons made that uh simpsons hit and run game yeah sega literally sued them over it and it had to be settled out of court <laughs> for it which is insane but like this is one of those games that just makes me think dreamcast like it was just it was so smart and fun and like pick up and play and that was what that system meant to me so i, I guess i didn't realize you could patent the taxi system that's all I, right <laughs> good for them they got something right yeah no i'm i'm, I'm with you brett like for whatever reason i had a dreamcast i had this game and it's just that opening riff of that offspring song and i like i can't think crazy taxi without that starting in my head the game it was good i enjoyed it uh but that song for whatever reason just and we got a lot of we got a lot of stuff on the list coming up that are just like like games that are just filled with bangers just non-stop <laughs> bangers and that one just man that one that's a gooder i like that all right, I will move on to my number five then. Uh, my number five is GameCube game. Uh, it's a Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Um, not going to talk too much about it here, but um, you know, it's kind of a departure from. Um, so the Legend of Zelda it was always a little cartoony because of the constraints that were put towards, um, you know, because of the system, the the NES, the Super Nintendo, and then they decided to take this one and make it cell shaded. Um, it, it was a little bit, it was more cartoony than the ones you saw on the N64 and it was a bit of a point of contention. And I think that it, it's probably one of the lower sellers as far as Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda's go, but it was a great game, beautiful game, but we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So my number five, um, if you guys know me, you know that this was going to make my list somewhere. Uh, my number five is Guitar Hero for PlayStation 2. And <clears throat> this came out in 2005. And I remember Brett was the first one of us to purchase this game. He comes walking in the house with this big ass box. And I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's a new game. And I'm like, <laughs> like a fucking board game. Like, what, what, what's going on? He's like, no, it's Guitar Hero. It's it's kind of like, uh, you know, Paul Rappa the Rapper with a guitar. And he's like, you know, Harmonics put it out. It's looking like this next big thing. And he gets it out. He sets it up and he puts this little guitar in front of him. And he starts clicking along to Boston more than a feeling. <laughs> and I was like, this is fucking dumb. 
this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like you are a child playing with a child's play a thing. This guitar. isn't video games. And then he's like, yeah. And he's like, you want to <laughs> try it? Fuck. Yeah. I want to try it. Give it here. And I played guitar hero nonstop for probably about a year straight. I loved it. Um, super easy to pick up and play. You know, there were four or five different difficulties, so you could reduce yourself to only using three of the buttons. Yes, you know, you're a bitch. Or all five. And yeah. Um, and, you know, continue to step up in difficulty. The track listing on this was, uh, you know, was really good for what they were able to start off with. You know, they were able to get the rights to a lot of songs, but not the original artist recordings. They, you know, had to cover the songs, but they did a pretty good job. And, you know, obviously it grew into this bigger thing that, you know, we'll talk about later on too, but it was a super fun party game. You know, like it, everybody gave me the same look that I gave Brett when I would carry it into the house. Like, what the fuck are you doing until you set it up and go? And then everybody wants a turn. You know, it, it looks way easier than it is. And so it's it's inviting to new players. But then as you go on, uh, there's enough challenge and enough fun with it that the playability on this is astronomical. So top five on my list. Yeah, we're, we're talking about bangers again. I'm going to use that term oh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, that nonstop bangers. You got Motorhead on there. You got Ramones on there. You got some David Bowie on there. And, and then you, I mean, yeah, I mean, the track list was was amazing, and it was it was so much fun, and it was different. It was something new. It was, you know, this isn't just a controller you're holding in your hands. I mean, shit, you get people up there putting on a real concert, fucking dancing around like uh, what's his name from. Wow, shit! I lost it. It don't matter. But you get you get people. David Lee Roth. Well, yeah, that's, sure, sure. Now the ACDC dude, Angus Young. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. Well, or like you know, you, like I can remember going to Houndstooth's house and having him like literally behind his back, behind behind his back. What a jabroni! And shit. Like the the thing about Guitar Hero, the first like they were so smart with that track list. Like if they did not have just hit after hit like it, it needed to be songs everybody knew mm-hmm. and everybody loved mm-hmm. and, that, and like um the other thing was they were really great about like you were talking about the difficulty and we, and we were joking about how like oh it's for bitches but like it was great though because anybody could play that right like, i mean i remember introducing guitar hero to my mom and she was able to play it because you know the easier modes that's only three buttons she could play along Whereas then, you know, the late, the far, like the more you play it or the uh, more skilled you were, you could get to that point where it was insanity. And like, I swear to God, it was harder to play it on a guitar hero guitar than just learning the fucking song on a guitar, <laughs> you know? Um, no, like guitar heroes is, is super dope. And like, it became just something wildly huge and then crashed obviously. But like the first couple games of that are just untouchable moving on to my number four uh we're gonna keep talking about these bangers because this bangers. is another one with an absolutely great soundtrack uh, my number four is tony hawk pro skater three hell yeah 
And this for me is the best Tony Hawk game. Uh, you know, there, there's probably some argument there, you know, either the one before it or the one after it. But for me, this was the one that incorporated manuals. This incorporated, you know, a lot of the the reverts, the reverts, mm-hmm. the extra, you know, the extra stuff to keep your combos going. Uh, Sketching. Yeah. You know, the the soundtrack was great. Obviously, you know, this this opened a lot of people up to some artists that they wouldn't have thought of before they weren't hearing on the radio. And so this was a great way to introduce people into some different pop punk and also some underground hip hop that, uh, you know, has has stayed with us over time. But this was the one where they decided to get real silly with it, too. Like the first two games were pretty much straightforward. Here's your skaters, you know, go do your thing. And then on this one, you could skate as Wolverine or, you know, the mall cop or whatever. And they incorporate a lot more of like the jackass style of humor, which fit perfectly with the style of the game. And, you know, as as teenagers, that was right up our alley anyways. But I I would argue that it's still fun today um but yeah this was one that made the cities and the maps bigger too where you didn't necessarily feel confined to an airport hangar or an airport um you know or a shopping mall or whatever you know there was a lot more outdoor stuff and just bigger and better and to think that this came out in 2001 like i still have the muscle memory in my fingers for you know, when to grind on something, when to pull off, you know, a Christ air, you know, so much of this is just ingrained in my memory. And that comes from hours and hours of play. And you don't get that without a good game. I spent, I spent a lot of time with Tony Hawk three. I had shoulder surgery right around the time it came out. And I remember like laying in the bed and I would have like, I would play on my side on GameCube. And I mean, like one and two, yeah, they're good games. But like when you hit three, like you said, it gets so much bigger. You're hitting like you're hitting like two million point combos. You're getting that. You're getting the height so you can get up to like a, the top of a building and find a special bowl up there and be doing tricks like above the city. I mean, it it was a great game. It it still is. I think it's still one like you said. I could pick up and play today and still be okay at it. But I, I you know I've said it so many times throughout this series so far but soundtrack for me is such a huge thing and i mean tony hawk 3 banger after banger bangers for days bangers i mean it's the second time we're i I wrote some i wrote some hits down here this is the second occurrence of motorhead ace of spades you get some more ramones in there you got zebra head dell the funky homo sapien has a track on there which i think it's the wash your ass one if i remember right um, it is if you must. Yep. If you must, there you go. Uh, Blitzkrieg, Bop, Alien Ant Farms on there. Reverend Horton Heat makes an appearance when he shows up in some of the Guitar Hero games too. I mean, just an amazing soundtrack to go with a, a game with infinite replayability. Well, Tony Hawk, like first of all, has a reputation just for that soundtrack in general it, as a series. Yeah. Like, I oh, mean, yeah. they they. The whole way through, like, especially those first, like, three, four games were just, they, like, whoever they had doing that knew knew their shit. But, um, 
I, I think, you know, saying the first two games are better would be almost a nostalgia play. I think they play really well. I think the level design in three is so different than the first two. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost hard to even yep. compare them. That's fair. Like, yep. You're yeah. not just in a, you're not just in a little, uh, a warehouse with a, with a half pipe and a ramp. Yeah. You're, you're on a city. Yeah. And, um, and and to hit those combos, you've got to use your entire environment. Right. It's almost a different game to that to that point. Yeah, and like I just I I love Tony Hawk games. Like I desperately miss them. It bummed me the fuck out that last Tony Hawk game that came out on PS4. It's because it because it was bad. Uh, I I think the first three are legitimately great. I think the underground ones are super good because they actually put a story in. Mm-hmm. But like just in, just in general. Yeah, I, Tony Hawk games are great. This was super fun. The Reaver literally changed the way the game was played. Like, and that that's the third game. Like, um, and I, I know some people really like Skate and some people like that new Ollie Ollie and like none of them have played as perfectly for me as this did. Like, whenever you hit a button, you know exactly what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. that that's why it worked. Yeah, the timing was so tight on it. All right, um, moving on to my number four. Uh, I got Bully. Um, this is a PS2 Rockstar game um, made in 2006. I mean, it's it's a Rockstar game, so you know what you're getting. You're getting your Grand Theft Auto type game, except they took this one and they kind of they they put you in a prep academy called Bullworth. And instead of going out and you know shooting mobsters and stealing cars, you're like you're like shooting teachers through the window with slingshots i mean it's just it kind of took that it took that tried and true method from um gta 3 and 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 vice city it took some of those and just i made something different but the same gave it a different feel a different vibe um you know you're you're the your name's jimmy you're a you're just a kid in this prep school and basically you're trying to rise through the ranks earn respect um it's just it's a solid game and it's it's just fun and that you know at the end of the day that's what you want in a game you know grand theft autos could also go on this list in this spot for me i had to pick one rockstar game and I, bully's just one that stuck with me they they've they've re-released it through um you know they've re-released it for every console generation since i believe maybe not this current one yet i think you can still play it on the like the playstation now and stuff so it's still around but just a great game and then uh, of course like every rockstar game it came with its own um uh, controversies and i'm using that uh with with bunny ears around it because you're always going to have people that bitch whine and blow everything out of proportion but i think there was you know you could run around the school and you could get girlfriends or boyfriends oh my god so it became this big thing upon the release and honestly i think it was it was that um it was the the media going stupid about it that made me want to pick it up and see what it was all about. <laughs> and when I did that, I just found I just found a good, fun game, just a good game. It's like River City Ransom, but but grown up. Well, and it, and it's weird, like the the term grown up because comparing it to the other Rockstar games, you know, they did soften some of their edges, right? You know, like this was not a Grand Theft Auto game or Manhunt. You know, this was oh, about shit. this was about a kid in a prep school. And so you got to do a lot of the like Bart Simpson style things, 
Yeah, you're putting cherry bombs in toilets. Yeah. And it was just a, a breath of fresh air. And it also was an opportunity for Rockstar to show that they didn't need, you know, a, obscenity didn't make their art. You know, they have art that, in, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, they have art that includes obscenity. But by putting this in a in a realm with children, they're able to show that they could still make a good quality game, but have some softer edges to it, too. One of the things I really like about Bully is it's still that open world that uh, Rockstar has really made their own and like it's obviously a rockstar game the dna is all there but it's it's more focused Mm -hmm. like the the world is smaller Mm -hmm. you you, it it is it is a small prep school town and the goals are smaller and like by doing that it just i felt the the game flows better too that way it flows and like i just I, i felt like it really helped um like you have a better connection with the characters and the, like in, in a way that don't get me wrong. Like I, I think the GTA games are super fun and I love how wild they get. Like, I think that's hilarious and they need to, but this was cool because it is small scale to a point. And like, you end up really feeling like, man, this is like as dorky as it sounds like this is my school. And like by the end of it and you're fighting all these guys off of it, you know, like you have some stakes to it, which it was it was an interesting thing. Um, I mean, the, like the rumor for Bully Two is just perpetual. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see it, but th- this was a great game. And Jimmy's got to be like thirty by now. <laughs> no, I think I think you kind of touched on it, but being a more focused environment too. That, like I said, the game flows better. There, there's a lot of times when I'm playing a Grand Theft Auto game where. I get so involved in the side quests. I complete this part of the side quest. I want to go to this one. And then I go back to the main story. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, I don't, I, I've complete, like I've lost the, right. lost the forest through the trees. Like you, you, you're so involved with some of the other stuff that you lose, you lose the story. And I think it's a lot harder to do that in bully. There's still side quests. They still make you, you have to go to class. I don't know if you remember that you have to like go to class and take tests. And if you, I think you get like stat boosts if you do well on them, but yeah, being, being a little bit smaller and a little bit more focused, I think really helped that game stand out for me. Oh yeah. And like when they remember when they re-released it for like uh, the 360 and mm-hmm. the Wii the, later on, uh, like scholarship edition. Yeah. They ended up uh, adding different like uh, classes and game modes and stuff for like the Wii's motion tracking. Oh, and all that's that. right. And like, it was, you know, garbage, like most of it was, <laughs> but it was interesting and you know, that's fun. Um, we'll pick, we'll keep it going. My number four is uh, it's a Star Wars game, um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. It was an it was on the Xbox in two thousand three. Uh, this was the game that got me to buy an Xbox. Uh, I saw it and I desperately needed to play it. Um, this is it's a Bioware RPG. So especially now we know what that means, but at the time it it was kind of new for console players and um basically it's set like thousands of years before the movies that we that we all know in the time of the old republic and uh you are playing as somebody with amnesia shocker but uh you know like so you make out with your sister or 
no, no, no. But you end up like the story is really, really good. Um, the dialogue is great. There's memorable characters. The end of this game has one of the best twists in gaming fucking ever. And I, I mean, like, like it's just, it's so good. And like, this was one of those first games that I can remember um, playing with a morality system and like the light side and the dark side of the force. And like, I mean, it's pretty basic. Like, it's literally like, will you help this puppy or throw it into a fire? But <laughs> it works pretty well. Like, and it was really funny because like the more like dark side you got, like, crazier you look like you get paler and like have tattoos on your face and shit and like people be like i think you might be experimenting with the dark side of the force like nah i'm i'm totally good bro and like (laughs) but overall it's just a super fun game and it's just so well done dark side of the force never touches stuff not even once (laughs) not even once (laughs) i i I played with this game a little bit i didn't have an xbox so i wasn't able to to sit down and pound it out you know like really get into the weeds with this game but i mean it always seemed like something i'd be interested in i bioware makes quality games like you said this was kind of one of their first big console games of this pedigree and you know probably one i missed i don't have much else to say about it than that but you know it's star wars so i might not have played it either way <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> i uh i'm the same way i didn't have an xbox and so i waited for this to come to other consoles. Still waiting. He's still waiting. Here I sit. <laughs> Isn't there a second one? There is. And that was actually developed by Raven, which is wild because basically it wasn't even done. Uh, they just released it. Fucking send it. They were just like, oh, we're done. Well, we need to make money on this. You've, you've wasted too much money and you're not done. Um, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, I mean, Fundamentally, if you did something wrong, the game is broken and you can't finish it. So, oh wow, that's, so that's cool. cool. But um, the first one's great, and the second one's actually really good. And like, you just have to avoid this one game-breaking thing, uh, which doesn't speak well for the quality assurance. But whatever. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your number three, Brad, because uh, I want to hear you explain it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so my number three uh, is We Love Katamari. It is the sequel to Katamari Damacy, which was this wild little, basically indie Japan indie Japanese game for the PlayStation Two that released at this. Like, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere, and it released at a twenty dollar price point, uh, and it became this kind of a phenomenon. And the whole point of this game is you are playing as alien green goblin god like anyway it's it's the prince and um basically your dad is the king of all cosmos who is crazy and maybe drunk but anyway in the first game he like knocked all the stars out of the sky so you have to you have to make the stars by going to the earth and rolling up stuff erasers i don't yeah, like it starts. It starts with like little things like paper clips, and by the end of it, you're literally rolling up mountains and the clouds and like literal countries, and it's fucking wild. Anyway, that's Katamari Damacy. My name is We Love Katamari, which is the sequel, and it's even weirder because <laughs> it's even drunker. Yeah, it is because um, it's it's got two different plot lines going. 
And the first one is like meta, and it's about how the King of All Cosmos is dealing with how popular the first video game was. <laughs> and like, he's just like, well, hmm, huh. And then the second part is like him having weird flashbacks about how mean his dad was to him. <laughs> and then like, eventually it forced him to grow up and then how he met his wife and had the prince. And first of all, it's just like, the gameplay is just, beautiful it's it, you literally only use the analog sticks it's so cool um it's the sense of scale is neat especially the like the get the levels later on where you do start like where you're rolling up little little things and by the end of it you're rolling up countries it's so cool and it's just there's nothing else like it this was the last game that actually had the um series creator on it he gets bored and like quits doing video games after like every one or two that he does this is like literally a pattern for him after he made this game he went and designed playground equipment in japan for a while so i mean this is the kind of guy that this is but i love we look at amari the soundtrack is super weird uh it's bangers it, no, no no not at not all bangers it's, my bad it, it's, it's, it's 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 a weird game i love it um it's the most japanese game i've ever played and Ooh, yeah. I, your number one's coming up too are you sure about I think, that i i think this is more japanese fair right? enough fair enough i i don't have anything to add to that it's a great game it's a ton of fun i believe it's on sale right now on the eShop. if you have a switch the first one not we love katamari but katamari damacy depending on when this goes live if you haven't played it and you want just the weirdest fucking game you've ever seen it's like eight bucks totally worth it um i just want to thank you brett that was delightful <laughs> Um, it, the thing about this game is it's strangely soothing, mm -hmm. like, which I think is also a, a Japanese thing, but you know, the, it, it is super weird and there's plenty of stuff to entertain you, but the actual action of playing the game is something that anybody can do. <clears throat> and obviously the pace picks up as you move along, but just the, the rolling of the countryside is a soothing activity. Also, one time I was not playing Katamari, but I rolled up a bunch of stuff and I too <laughs> saw the King of the Cosmos. <laughs> so there's more than one way to skin a cat. All right. Uh, speaking of, well, mine's the opposite of soothing. My number three, uh, we're just going to roll right into it after that. Roll. Uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Um, we did not have uh, Super Smash Brothers on our N64, our last generation's list which is fair. I mean, it was a smaller scale game. They were still working out the kinks. And then on the GameCube in 2001, you get Super Smash Brothers Melee. Um, I mean, this game is still played in a tournament setting. Um, the, the controller, the GameCube controller, they still release the GameCube controller for the new systems because that's the preferred uh, controller for, for this type of game. Um, they basically took the N64 one and they, they made it bigger, just huge. Um, 26 characters, um, just tons of levels, bigger levels, bigger items. Um, it's, and it's polished to, to within an inch of its life. I mean, this, this game is so, it's so easy to pick up and be good at but it's so hard to be good at constantly, if that makes any sense. I mean, almost all of your moves for every character are are a directional push and a button push. And then in a lot of cases, you can hold that button push for a bigger smash. 
um, every every character handles differently. They all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. Um, some are heavier and have a harder time getting smashed, but have a harder time getting back to the stage when they are smashed. It's just, it is a beautiful, beautiful fighting game that, I mean, they've been, it's, it's what Smash Brothers is. They just, they take the characters that everybody knows and love, they make them fight and they polish it to perfection. What's funny about this game, because this is the game for GameCube, like the and this is the game for Smash Brothers. What's wild is how much that pisses Nintendo off because they have constantly tried to reinvent this game or to polish it and people still go back to the GameCube version, you know, where there's been this huge group lobbying you know, for it to be included in some of the video game tournaments on GameCube versus the newest installation, you know, because they are two different games. Um, It's probably the most frantic and most unpredictable of any of the Smash installments. And that's part of what's cool about it is unless you're one of those guys that has got it dialed in to when the frame rate slows down for a certain character, like you have a fighting chance. And so there's a lot of unpredictability with this one that I think has kept it in the conversation because there's a lot of people that can still enjoy it. And you've got a select few that have been able to master it. And it's kind of scary to watch when, when you watch those guys fight because it's uh, it's, they're playing a completely different game than the rest of us. I don't really have much else to add to that. Like I smash brothers is super fun. This was, this is kind of the pinnacle of it. I I mean like ultimate, I mean, if we're being fair, ultimate is the pinnacle of it. I think this, the switch version the, comes close to being the, being the best game. But I think just because of its longevity, just because of how beloved it was, well, this is the template. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is yeah. what, this is what it's, this is what it will always be. Like they will, they will, they will add modes. They will, add characters it will add stages but this is what the game is like the 64 was the rough sketch this is the actual it's like mm-hmm. the pub- you know like the published final sure. bit. moving on to my number three uh still smashing stuff up but a little bit scarier my number three is god of war for playstation 2 um this we'll probably talk about it later too but i do just want to say that this was so fun so fun uh because it it felt so different and you know the story was big you know you were doing something that we had never thought of before in in fighting gods and it was one that no matter how much you felt like you were just mashing on the square button at times there was also a lot of intricacy to this game that made it a solid game and a great franchise going forward well god of war was really cool like for a few reasons like i mean i i'm not sure if there was one beforehand but like this was the first game i remember the quick time event being a thing where like yeah. it's like you're it's a cutscene and you're controlling a cutscene, and like that like I, I don't think it's always great but like in especially in like the god of war games i think it usually works um the other thing i remember is just the first time I played it and I'm playing that very first level and suddenly I'm fighting that fucking Hydra. And I was like, what game am I playing? What 
is this? <laughs> this is insanity. And this is the first level. Like games don't usually do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, like in most other games, especially at that time, that Hydra would have been a mid game boss. At not least. the right. Yeah. You know, like not the first <clears throat> fucking boss that you fight. And, you know, I, it's super fun. Like I, I think taking it, you know, taking this crazy trip through Greece where you're murdering gods, like hell yeah, I'm in. Like it's great, and it's it's still a fun game. Um, they've remastered it a couple times. You know, like you you I think you can um you can play it. I think you can buy the whole trilogy like, right now. It's super fun. Like this, like going back to PlayStation Two games can be rough. Okay. Like sometimes things do not hold up, but this really does. So great pick. I'm going to reserve my thoughts. All right. Uh, Moving on to my number two. This is another one that just felt huge at the time and still does. But my number two is Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And the thing about this one that made me pick it over, you know, Grand Theft Auto 3 is just I remember that feeling when I loaded this up and I was expecting basically a new polished version of Grand Theft Auto 3. And I got something even bigger. I got something different. And that was something that excited me because the first Grand Theft Auto, the Grand Theft Auto 3 that we all got excited about when we were in high school was big. And there was a lot of fun to it. You know, it played kind of like a cheesy mobster movie or a cheesy gangster movie. Um, and what we knew about this one going in is basically that we were going to get Grand Theft Auto Scarface or Grand Theft Auto Miami Vice. And we got a lot of that. You know, we got a lot of the styling, you know, of 1980s Miami. But the additional characters that they added the depth that they added to the characters, you know, by having Ray Liotta come out and do the voice of the main character. Um, you know, just there, there was a lot more to the character development. Like, I, I feel like this is the one where we first start to remember characters. Um, you know, gay Tony got his whole spin off. you know, years later on the PSP, but, this was the one where I feel like once they set the stage with Grand Theft Auto 3 to see what they could do with the console, here's where they started getting funky with it. And it it plays really well. Um, you know, campaign is super fun. But then also having this bright, colorful background, you know, along with this kind of dark, violent story uh, was a great compliment. And... I enjoyed the hell out of this game. You know, like once I knew what I was doing from the first Grand Theft Auto, I felt like I was able to dive in headfirst and just soak up the entirety of the game. And so, you know, that that's why it made my list over Grand Theft Auto 3 is just because I, I knew what to expect from a mechanic standpoint, from a story standpoint. But then they gave me more on top of that. And that's what I appreciated. Yeah, you you said you said everything I would say. I mean, it's it's a Grand Theft Auto. You know what you're gonna get. You can look at the cover art. You can see that you're gonna get a 1980s Miami. You're just gonna be coked up the whole time. You're gonna have bright colors. 
but you know you're you're gonna have fun. It's good. It's it's not. Uh, there may be not. I don't think any Grand Theft Auto game is the most um, mechanically sound game, but I mean, the, but the but the no. fun. I mean, the fun's <laughs> off the charts. You you know exactly what you're gonna get, and you, you're gonna love every second of it. Well, this was like like kind of where you were going with the funky. This like three felt like a tech demo in a lot of ways. And this felt yeah. like they were like, okay, now we're gonna put some soul into it. Like, uh, the, um, you know, we're gonna make this story matter. We're gonna make the way the, you know, the the visuals and everything, um, the story we're telling, the characters, it, the time period, all of it's gonna work together. And this was the first time they did that. Um, my my two biggest things about this the motherfucking soundtrack bangers is insane and like this this was the one that actually started the tradition of like uh video game sites and i mean uh not so much magazines anymore but like they would like the the gta soundtrack reveal is a big deal and this is the first time Mm -hmm. that was a thing and like um and it's just so clever the way they do it it's on the radio stations like in the cars that you're jacking like that's so clever and easy but but you know it it just works i haven't fucked with the radio in my car for 10 years but i always fuck with the radio in the cars when i'm driving in grand theft auto and how many times does that lead you to like hit a building or light pole or get pulled over by the cops and raise that wanted meter because that's why i don't mess with the radio like i'm in the middle of a mission and i don't need extra heat i don't need to be like fuck this song where's the where's the talk radio because that shit's always funny um the other thing i'll say about this is uh this i i think that the city design in this game is the best one they've had just in terms of layout uh because this was before they really revamped the radar on the on the mini maps Mm -hmm. so you really like Mm -hmm. you kind of had to know where you were going and i felt like this is like it has it had a real sense of place and i always knew like i felt like i always knew where i was which is not the case anymore in gta games they're so damn big big. and like i never know where i'm at right whereas this game i like i felt like i learned it which is cool like it's just a different feeling you actually learn the neighborhoods mm-hmm. yeah all right uh i'll go ahead and move on to my number two uh we just talked about it it's it's god of war um god of war is i'm a i, I love i love action games um and for some reason the like the alternate history uh, of some of the games that have come out recently really get me this one's an alternate mythology it's taking things that it's taking gods that you know they're in the right places but they kind of they they switch them around i mean this it's they they build their own mythology using the gods you already know and i i think that is i think that's amazing i think it's a cool idea and i think it works really well um you know in god of war your your main character is is a he's a he starts as a basically a commander of an army. His name is Kratos. Uh, he goes into a bloodlust. Basically, he raises a village, and it turns out to be his own. And in that process, he kills his wife and his child. And so his sin, his his sin leads to a punishment from the gods, where basically they take the ashes of his wife and child and make him wear it. That's fucking awesome. Like that is. That is, I mean, that. I mean, is it? I mean, I'm sorry. That's not fucking off. 
the the story of that is fucking awesome. That is that is a that is a cool twist on a mythology. And then from there they they you know you you've got they they make you wear the gods make you wear these these weapons. They're basically axes on chains called the blades of chaos. And that's one of the coolest weapons I think in any franchise I can think of. I mean, it's it's different. It's it's it was it was new. It's something different. But the 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 main shine of this game comes from like Brett was alluding to earlier, the boss battles. The bosses are always. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're twenty times bigger than you are on the screen usually, and <laughs> they are some of the. Uh, goriest, most over-the-top um, deaths for these bosses that, that I can think of. Like, the Hydra Brett was talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you you end up severing two of the heads, and then you end up putting your blades through its eye, then going inside of it, and basically cutting it open from the inside and walking out of the middle. Well, Am I wrong um, on the, that? Well, well, the two, no, well, two, the first two heads you have to kill by um, jamming the heads onto the broken off. Uh, oh, the mass on the ship. ship. Yep. Yeah, that's right. He pulls he pulls him down yeah. in a quick time event. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. The 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 boss fights on this are just so incredibly over the top, and that makes them them very memorable. And it's just it's like a. It's like a slasher film that you're playing with Greek with Greek characters. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Tons of fun. I, I've loved every installment of, of God of War, and I hope they keep making them. Yeah, the, the thing about the enemies is before you get to a boss battle, the regular enemies are pretty much just cannon fodder, right? Where you're jamming on the X button, throw in a circle every now and then, and then jamming on square. But you can kind of do it in your sleep until you get to the puzzles, you know, that were pretty smart for, you know, compared to the rest of the game. Uh, But then you get to the boss battles and you've actually got to think you've got to react. And so it was a good balance because I feel like the game could only be half as long if the enemies were as hard, as hard as the bosses were, you know? So I think there's a, a kind of a, nice balance there between you know plowing through stuff and really getting to see what kratos can do and like there's just some satisfaction almost like a dynasty warriors game where you're just plowing through faceless enemies um but then you get to a boss battle and you've really got to think and react to to come out on top and it's just a blast to watch like this is a a game that's just fun to watch even if you're not playing and so I think that's one of the things that makes it so cool too. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's just, just a clever game, just a clever game series. And like, especially by the end of like, uh, before the newest one that came out to PS4, by the end of it, like they are doing some wild shit, like where like Kratos is like Zeus's son or half son or whatever. And it's so clever because that is what Greek myths were just fucking weird. And like everybody in the end yeah. is Zeus's kid. And why not? like it's just it's yeah just a clever clever game series and really fun to play and not surprising it's still a series now like when you when you get it that right they're they're just gonna keep pumping them out so uh my number two brian mentioned it already um 
it's the legend of zelda the wind waker uh this was the um this was the big one on the cube uh they there was another zelda release but that was shared with the wii so um this this was during that that bit on the gamecube when there were a lot of cell shaded games like there was this there was beautiful joe there was that um 13 game like it was just kind of an interesting way of basically faking processing power because Mm -hmm. you're not having to render as much um but this game more so than the other ones this game was beautiful this game looked like an animated movie and that that was saying something this it's it's an old game you know it came out in 2002 and like they did a remaster for the wii u and you know basically all they did was up res it they didn't change it they just made it made the resolution better and it's just it's gorgeous um i think it's a lot of fun there's a little bit of a fetch questy problem towards the end of it but you know like nothing's perfect i think other than that, it's just it's really cool. The conceit of it being that you're sailing everywhere because the world has been has basically been drowned is way darker than like the visuals of that game would lead you to believe. But really, really just a great game. I mean, it's a Zelda game. I'm usually going to be in anyway. And then this one just added a little bit more. So. So, Brett, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here, because obviously I think pretty highly of this game. It made my list, too, but um, there was a lot of sailing on the GameCube version that was, I mean, there was no fast travel, correct? Because on, right. on the Wii U one, that was one of the things I believe they added. There was a fast travel added to that, and I remember I, I played through the game again on the Wii U, and there was a fast travel, but... At the so while I enjoyed the fast travel just because it kind of expedited the game a little bit, it changes the way the game plays. <clears throat> exactly, you're not you're not stopping at, at every little island you see to explore it. You're you're mm-hmm. you're you're by by adding a fast travel, they took away a little bit from the the scope of the game and the sense of adventure. But I would say that's my one big knock on this game was the just I felt like there were times where I was at sea for hours. Yep, but but <laughs> but uh that being said i think one of the one of the main things that sticks out to me from this game outside of it being cell shaded and you know like you said they they went back to a little bit more of an adultish look i guess if you want to call it that for twilight princess later on in the life mm-hmm. but the the combat in this game was was so fluid yeah. i mean it was it was it was beautiful. I mean, it was, it was incredibly fluid. Everything you wanted to do, you could do. You just had to have the right input for it. So that, those were the two big things that stuck out for me is, man, I wish I had a fast travel and then I had a fast travel and I kind of wish I didn't have a fast travel, (laughs) (laughs) but, but the flu, the, the combat was, was great. All right. Um, we're moving on. And we're moving on to literally my favorite video game ever. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it's <laughs> for a while, I used to think it was either this or uh, The Last of Us. And then um, we entered a global pandemic. And you know what game I don't want to play right now? It's <laughs> The Last of Us. So that means that this is my favorite game ever. All right. Uh, this is. I'm excited to hear you explain uh, this one, too. 
it's Space Shuttle Five. It is it came out for the Dreamcast in '99. Uh, before I get into it, um, the reason I I got this game, I went to into a Toys R Us back when those were things, and this was on sale for like six bucks or something, brand new, unopened, and I was just like, yeah. I wonder why, yeah, I know, right? And I picked it up and I loaded it up and I fell in love with this game. This is a rhythm game, which shocker, I like rhythm games. This is a very Japanese rhythm game, which is saying something. Um, you you play as a reporter named Ulala, and it's set at some point in the future, but it's like this weird retro future. It's like what the fifties thought the future would be like. And she's a reporter and she's reporting on this alien invasion. And the only way she can report is to dance, I guess. And so the aliens make like force people to dance. So she has to dance back at them. And that's, that's the crux of the game. That's where the rhythm comes into it and stuff. And you guys, I just love it. It makes me so happy. And it's a short game. Like you can get through the entire game in less than an hour. And that's why it rules because I mean, right now I actually don't have a way to play it, which is a little sad, but whenever I wanted to play it, like literally you have to have less than an hour and you can just boot it up and play it through the whole thing. And it's so silly. And then like Michael Jackson shows up and I, it, it's just, it's my favorite video game. <laughs> like I, I can't be objective about it. I understand that people, it, it is either for you or it is not for you. Like, I think it's it's a very hard right. game to be lukewarm about. Um, anyway, they just came out with a VR version and uh, putting me in it, in the world, that rules. But other than that, it's it's so fun, you guys. It's the best game. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything else to say about it. Like you said, it's a rhythm game. It's well done. It's a lot of fun. I've, I've played it. I, it, it yeah. It's it's Ulala and there are aliens and then Michael Jackson's there and then the game ends. That's that's literally it. But it's it's a good it's a good quick play. It's a nice Sunday afternoon game when you might be a little hungover and like you don't want to put a lot of brain power into something or if you just want to play something quick. Like it's kind of like Katamari. Like there's a soothing aspect to it mm-hmm. that makes it enjoyable and it's fun and really weird. So, weird. so like if you like that kind of thing, like if, if you like admiring weird shit, like we do, <laughs> uh, you'll probably enjoy it at least to some extent. And if you don't like, it only takes an hour. And if you don't like it, Brett will fight you. So that's why we're agreeing with him. <laughs> uh, all right, um, on to my number one. Uh, if you would have told me that um, two Resident Evil games were going to make my list by this point, I would have been a little surprised too. Um, but when I sat down and started putting uh, pen to paper, um, my favorite game of this generation was Resident Evil 4. Um, it's It was uh, originally released on the GameCube, and it has literally been released for every single system since it is on the switch right now it is on the xbox one it is on the ps4 which says something about about 
this type of game uh, having that kind of longevity. I mean, that's 15 years now. This was a 2005 release. Um, it's it's exactly it's exactly what you think it is. It's a third person shooter with that weird kind of over the shoulder. Um, it brings back Leon Kennedy. It's you know is Leon Kennedy a bad enough dude to save the president's you know uh, kid? And then would you is. know he, he is surprised. Spoiler alert. Um, I think one of the one of the things about this one, I mean, outside of it being uh, on the GameCube, uh, just a beautiful game. It was, it was, I don't know, I would say it was the prettiest game on the GameCube and maybe even those systems. They did, with what they, what they had with the GameCube, what they pulled out of this game was amazing. Um, but it starts out, it starts out where you're, you're investigating a cult and you're kind of just, just blasting cultists in the head and then obviously it's resident evil you get a virus there's zombies there's weird monstrosities and shit like that just a really fun really pretty game uh and i think this is one of the first uh resident evil games where um you could aim like it kind of mattered where you shot in some of the previous ones um you know you could take like low but yeah but you could you could take out a kneecap here if you if you had four zombies coming from your right and one from your left you could kneecap the one on your left switch weapons and worry about the ones on your right um you could also shoot projectiles early on you had some of the some of the cultists they would throw axes and knives at you and you could shoot them out of the air and and i you know that was a nice little touch to it but it's a it's a big um yeah it's a big game that covers a lot of locales but it's just it's a beautiful game and you know, I could pick that up today and have just as much fun with it as I did back in 2005. Well, this was the game that really, uh, this was the first time I felt like Resident Evil took combat seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, the first, like, I mean, I like the other games. Do not get me wrong. Like, I think they're all, uh, up to this, up to especially Resident Evil 4, like every one of those games before that were good. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time where, like, they were like, we're going to speed it up and but we aren't going to, but it's not going to screw you. We're going to make sure that the gunplay is good. And like they added the button like, with a button, you could do a 180 and turn around and you needed to be able to do that. Um, this is another game that had, this was the first time it, it had quick time events in it. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, those giant fuckers with the chainsaws. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, we, the first time yeah, that they get... take off your head, <laughs> I was not ready. I'll let you know that now. <laughs> Um, no, this was, this was super cool. Um, this was part of that weird, that Capcom, uh, Nintendo thing. It was like the Capcom six or whatever, the Capcom five or six. And it was supposed to be these five or six games that were like, that would be very important for the GameCube. And it ended up not being a real thing. Like, like, I, like, I think they technically all got released, but this is the only one that mattered. And it eventually came out to other systems, but yeah, great, great game. Lord sadly, Lord sadly. The thing that was cool about this one to me, like you said, the the combat got serious. And with that, I felt like there was some cool callbacks to arcade gaming, like the ability to shoot projectiles out of the air, you know, is something that was very much a, an arcade thing that we were used to. And also the quick time events, you know, moving the story along was something that you were used to uh, with your standard shoot 'em up games, you know, in the arcade. And so I felt like they took it seriously, but then also had some callbacks that, you know, made you appreciate 
how far we had come at that point. They they had quite a bit. It had quite a bit of replayability too, because they added um, a lot, a, a little bit more extensive like time trials. Mm-hmm. Um, they there were those there were medals um, strung up throughout the game, and shooting those would give you different unlocks and just 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 a damn good game. Yeah, and there was a guy that was like, "What are you buying? What are you buying? And that was, what are you selling, and stranger?" That was Hell yeah. This is the perfect end to this list, by the way, Drake. I'm very excited. Yeah, a uh, couple of things. The first game that I ever bought with my PlayStation 2 was Madden 2001. And there were plenty of other better games available for the PlayStation 2 at that point. But I wanted something that I could play with my friends. And so throughout high school, you know, we always had Madden tournaments and back then you had to draw up a bracket on a piece of notebook paper, you know, like they didn't keep track of that shit for you. But I have some really fond memories of playing the Madden game with my high school friends. Uh, but then I my number one game is also a football game. But this is the game I would say for the money I got the absolute most value out of. And what I mean by that is the amount of time I put into it and the amount of enjoyment that I got out of it. My number one is NCAA football 2006. So I'm well aware that there are better installments of this franchise out there. Like, you know, I I think NCAA 14 is probably, you know, the most crisp of the NCAA games, but this game, <laughs> this game is the one that I got the most out of and the most enjoyment. And I think that's true for all three of us. So the things that made this game special were once again, the bangers on the soundtrack. Bangers. And what I thought was really cool about this is they went all over the spectrum. You know, you get the clash. And then you get De La Soul and then you get some pop punk like there's there's just stuff all over. But they were all super catchy songs. Um, The impact player uh, ability was something that really blew up with this game. There wasn't any rhyme or reason to it. You couldn't really tell like now in Madden, (laughs) you have to achieve certain benchmarks in order to get your players in the zone. But with this, it would basically just pick two or three of the players on your team and say that they were impact players. And once they hit a certain mark, they would be able to do things or they would be tougher to stop on the field. And so the dynamic of having those impact players and where they were, especially when you play with every team on the, in the lineup, you know, trying to learn, what your team's strengths are based on those impact players was always a a fun challenge. And then also the Heisman campaign for this particular installment. Yes. Was was the best part of any video game ever. You start, you, you start your career as a fourth stringer at whatever position you're playing And your goal is to work your way up the depth chart and then, you know, rack up enough stats to win a Heisman. 
And like, there were some metrics that you could keep track of, like how many rushing yards you had, how many passing yards you had, and you, you know, you could see where you had to go to obtain those goals. But the best metric that they used was a picture of your girlfriend on your virtual desk. And the way that you could tell that you were getting better and that you were getting closer to a, a Heisman was that your girlfriend got hotter as the game went along <laughs> and it might be the dumbest thing ever, but it might also be the most nuanced tip of a hat to the reality of college football ever. <laughs> uh, for like, anybody like, that's for anybody that's spent time on a college campus like that, you know, the, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. Obviously the football players are treated like property at times and at times also their female companions are treated like property. Um, and so I, I have to believe that there's a little bit of a, a tip of the hat to the institution of college football and the fact that you were just assigned a hotter girlfriend as you perform better on the field. Well, and I mean, like, like there's, there's something to be said, like we all went to university of Nebraska, like we went to a football school and so well, we used to be, well, but, I mean, we went to a school where like, like that's the main sport and you know, the best players are treated differently and that's all yep. I'm going to say about it. But holy shit, that's still the funniest fucking mechanic that's ever been in a video game. Like they were just like, yeah like multiple people had to sign off on that and they were like, no, this is a good idea. This is a good plan. Like yep. for, for frame of reference, like the first picture, when you start, it, it literally looks like Buzz's girlfriend on home. Yeah. Alone. It looks like, like it looks like a, it looks like a dude wearing a, a, a wig. And then, yeah, you, you progress from there. I, I got to ask you guys a question conservatively now okay. between the three of us. Oh, Christ. How many games of NCAA football throughout the years have we knocked down together? More than seven thousand. I have no idea. Like it's impossible. Like I was thinking about that when I saw Drake's. I, I mean, we're 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 probably in we're probably in the high three digits. Oh, at least I <laughs> probably, probably low fours. Well, that was the other thing too. You know, referencing Madden two thousand one, like us keeping track of stuff on paper. But this game and with the memory cards, you were able to keep track of your head to head numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was able to sign into Brian's PlayStation with my profile, it would keep track of our head to head record. And that was something that, you know, was was cool because it became kind of a point of contention and a point of shit talking, like as the game was loading up to see that. You know, Brian had won 242 games and I had won 244. And then we'd play, <laughs> then we'd play seven games that day and I'd go three out of seven and you'd be back up on top. And so I, I got to say that we probably each played at least 500 games oh together. Yeah, we, we should have gone to class more. Um, <laughs> the, the one thing that's funny about that is like, that should that, like, I feel like that's a feature that should be in every game. And like, even at the time it wasn't like, uh, we bought, um, the college basketball game that year. Mm -hmm. And I can literally remember like 
it didn't even have profiles. No. And like we ended up right. We, we taped a piece of paper to the wall to show who was winning because we wanted to know, like this game was ahead of its time. Like I actually remember this game just playing super well. And, but yeah, the, the biggest thing is still the girlfriend. So, I mean, you know, you know why that basketball game didn't have profiles and stuff, right? Why? EA Sports, fuck you, you'll buy it. That's true. Yeah. And we, do. And we did. Well, we, and I, oh, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead, Drake. Well, I, I just think the balance with like sports games in particular, you know, you've got to be into them or, or you're not. Um, but the balance with this one of having a, a great head to head feature that we all enjoyed for way too long. Um, but it was set up to have tournaments and, you know, I, like I remember having tournaments in my dorm, you know, with this game, but then also that Heisman campaign, you had a deep single player experience too, that was over and above like just a typical franchise mode or a season mode. And so that's one of the things that I think makes a good quality game anyways, that ability to balance your multiplayer features and your, your single player features. And this is one that, was extremely fulfilling for both of those things for all of us. All right. Well, that's that's it for this generation. These are the best games. Don't add us. Um, uh, we'll catch up with you real soon because it's a, it's a pandemic and we're going to keep recording. So check you later. Stay safe. All right. Take care, Bye. guys.